I said the name Ben Johnson, everybody would know who I'm talking about. 100-meter race, 1988 Olympics, gold medal, world record. I remember racing home from church on a Sunday night to see that race. We had Sunday night services back in those days. And then a couple days later, we heard the announcement. He had been taking illegal performance enhancing drugs. Disqualified. I don't know about you, but the pain and the disappointment was, was very deep. It was, a, it, was a, it was a Canadian national embarrassment. Ben Johnson did not learn what we're going to talk about today out of the book of Proverbs. Ben Johnson was a fool. Lance Armstrong. If I uh, said that name, many of you would know who that is. I'm a cyclist. I enjoy riding. I do some racing. So I, Lance, Lance Armstrong was, was, my, uh, was my hero in many ways. Seven times the winner of the Tour de France. I don't know about you, but I watched the Tour de France. Some of you can't, can't imagine sitting there for hours watching men ride their bicycles. But uh, it's, it's phenomenal. And then the whole thing over in, in Europe and France and, and places where they ride, uh, is if you watch it, it's just spectacular. Um, the enthusiasm and, and the crowds that they get. And uh, won these seven tours... Uh, cancer survivor and always claimed that he never took performance enhancing drugs everyone knew that he did but he could never got caught until finally he did and he was doing it through what we call microdoping and through bullying and bribing and he was bribing the officials and bullying the people around him and I'll never forget the Oprah show. I don't know whether any, any of you ever saw that. I, I knew it was coming, so I, I don't watch Oprah, but I did this one. And I never forget, I'll never forget her answering, asking that question. He's sitting in front of her. He had gray pants and a blue shirt. I can still see it. And she asked him, looked him right in the eye, and said, did you take drugs? Did you dope? And there was about a five-second pause, 1,001. 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005. Put his head down, brought it back up, looked at her and said, yes, I did. The end. Over. His career was over. He owes millions to governments, sports organizations, and sponsors. He will die penniless. It has been called the greatest scandal in professional sports history. He was a fool. He failed to learn what we're going to learn about in the book of Proverbs today. Is there a word from God? Is there a word from Scripture? Is there a word from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit? to speak to them and to speak to us about not being that fool. 
about knowing what it is to live in wisdom. And you're dealing with this theme, a life of wisdom, the way of wisdom, living wisely in the present present world. And it's interesting because throughout the book of Proverbs, there are a number of voices that speak to us, but one of them is the voice of a woman. Her name is Hakmah. We see her as Lady Wisdom. She speaks on a number of occasions. She stands at the intersections, at the nexus, if you like, of life. And she speaks and she calls out to the young men in particular because they were kind of the the leaders in that culture. But she speaks to everyone about wisdom. Listen to, listen to I'm just going to read a few of the things that, that she uh, says. And, and her voice comes out and, and she appears in a number of places. Um, I, I'm just going to read a, a, a few of the things that, that where, where she shows up. Um, if you've got a Bible, you can kind of follow, but I'm going to go through these texts rather quickly and then I'm going to get to where we're supposed to be today. But out in the open, Hakma. It says wisdom. It's, it's a Hebrew word, Hakma. It's a personal name. Out in the open, Hakma calls out. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her, make, makes her speech. In the place where life happens, in the city gate, on the street, in the, in the intersections, Hakma, Lady Wisdom, speaks. How long will you who are, are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent of my rebuke, she says. That's in, that's in chapter 1. Chapter 4, um, verse 5. Get wisdom, hakmah, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, hakmah, and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> the beginning of hakmah is this, get hakmah, right? Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. We're going to come back to that idea in a moment. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, and I I could spend my whole time just talking about chapter 8, but chapter 8, does not hakma call out, does not understanding raise her voice. Notice they're all feminine pronouns. It's a feminine name. It's a woman who is speaking at the highest point along the way where the paths meet. She takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud, to you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. And then chapter 9. Probably a, it's a pivot chapter in, in the whole book of Proverbs. It kind of ends one section before we move into a second part of the book. But you got this very interesting uh, uh, presentation of lady wisdom, woman wisdom, hakmah, at the beginning of the chapter, and then you got lady fool at the end of the chapter, and they both say the same thing. Wisdom, Lady Wisdom has built her house. She has set up seven pillars. Pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has set her table. She has sent on her service. And she calls from the highest point of the city, let all who are simple come to my house. Those who have no sense, she says, come and eat my food. Let them drink the wine that I have mixed. Let Leave your simple ways and you will walk in the way of insight. Then at the end of the chapter, Look how that chapter, the end, how the chapter ends. Folly, Lady Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on the seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those pass by who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come into my house. Those who have no sense, she says, ah, stolen water is sweet. <laughs> you get it? 
deceptive. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there and her guests are in the deep, are deep in the realm of the dead. That's Lady Folly. That's the counter to Lady Wisdom. The book ends with a fascinating, culminating lesson from and about Lady Wisdom. And so my my task this morning is to talk to you about Proverbs 31. So if you've got a Bible, and we're going to throw it up on the screen, I'm going to read through the text, and then I'm going to come back and, and talk about the text. So Proverbs 31... I'm going to be getting reading at verse 10, and uh, I'm going to read uh, from my Bible, so hopefully the, uh, the screen will keep up to uh, how I'm reading. So please follow along either on your, if you've got a phone, you can bring that out if you want, some kind of other device, or you can watch off the screen. Uh, once we read through it, um, you'll need a Bible or perhaps some kind of other source in order to kind of follow as we work through the exposition of the passage. A wife of noble character. Now, I'm going to start right off and say that word wife is the Hebrew word eshet, called the eshet hayil. That's a choice of how that word can be translated. The word actually means woman. And if you look down at the bottom of the text, it talks about uh, the woman who fears the Lord, um, her husband, the woman. Many women do noble things. And so the choice of going wife in that word is a translator's choice of a couple of ways that the Hebrew word isha or eshet can be translated. I'm going to argue that the word should be translated woman. And the reference is, in fact, not to somebody's wife, but to Lady Wisdom. We've heard her voice throughout the book. This now is the culminating conversation, the culminating poem, I'm going to explain that in a minute, of the entire book of Proverbs. And the final word is from this woman, Hakma, Lady Wisdom. So, a woman, a wife, a woman of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Wow. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects, selects wood and f- wool and flax and, and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. And out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously and her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grabs the spindle with her, with her fingers. That has to do with spinning. She opes, opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for the household. All of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is, reject, is respected in the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. That's an important point. We're going to come back to that. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. 
Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but the woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. As I said before, I believe the opening question is a reference to Lady Hakma. In other words, what we're, going, what we're seeing here is an extended metaphor, kind of a parable of what it is to embrace, take on the person of, take on the values and virtues of wisdom, hakma. And it speaks to all of us, not just a woman, not just someone's wife. It is, in fact, instruction for anyone, male or female, old or young, if they want to live in wisdom. Anyone who embraces her, anyone who metaphorically, and that's the whole business about the husband, anyone who metaphorically marries her, takes on her virtue, her character, speaks to anyone who wants to be wise. It speaks to a Ben Johnson and Lance Armstrong in what they failed to learn. So what we find in this section is the conclusion to the book of Proverbs. And you'll notice that it has 22 verses. Now, you might not know that the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. That's not a coincidence, that this is 22 verses and the alphabet has 22 letters. Because when you look at the Hebrew text, and you don't because you're looking at an English text, you can't bring it across, but every line of this this last, and it's a poem, every line of this last poem begins with a subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it starts with the letter Aleph, then goes the letter Beit, then Gimel, then Dalit, and all the way down through the alphabet to the last letter Tau. It's called an acrostic. It's like going from A to Z. Or if you're in the New Testament, Alpha to Omega. You're going through the whole thing. And there's two reasons why. Uh, and, and by the way, there's a number of these acrostics in the Old Testament. Number in the book of Psalms, the book of Lamentations is a number of them. There are two fundamental reasons why they wrote poems in this kind of alphabetical A to Z kind of approach. Number one, made it easier for them to memorize it. <laughs> you knew what the next line started with. Secondly, it was to give the idea of completeness or totality to go from A to Z, to go from Alpha to Omega, to go from Aleph to Tau. So that's what we've got here. 22 lines following the alphabet indicating that this is the final word about Lady Hakma, about Lady Wisdom. It's it's a final summary. It's a culmination of what has been said in the rest of the book. And as I said, these verses, this whole text applies to both men and women, apply to everyone and anyone who wants to be smart and live skillfully, live wisely, to live in the fear of the Lord, to live well in God's creation. It is God's voice for all of us, not just to be preached on Mother's Day, but Father's Day. In fact, I have preached this on Father's Day, much to the chagrin of the fathers. Now, any day 
It speaks to us about what it is to live and embrace Lady Wisdom. So, what we find here is that the woman talked about in Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31, is women, is woman uh, wisdom, or her name is Hakma, and the character and the values and the qualities that are, teach, that are in the teaching that are found in these verses apply to anyone who would seek to be wise with God, in society, and among the people of God. So let's look at the text a little bit more carefully. And I find that the text actually falls into three parts. There's an opening question. Then there's three, three sections that talk specifically about her husband. And then there's a third part that simply describes and she teaches, or we hear the teaching of what wisdom is by the descriptions of what she is, and so we're being taught by example. So an opening question, critical, three critical uh, references to the husband, and then teaching through example. So we're going to walk through each of these, all right? So the first one is this. We start with the opening question in verse 10. A wife or a woman, all right? And again, I'm arguing this is Lady Hakma of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Now, this is not to say that no one can find woman wisdom or lady wisdom, but the whole point is that to pursue and to find and embrace and integrate woman wisdom, lady wisdom into our lives as men and fathers, as women and mothers, as human beings is a hunt worth all that we have. If you look at cha- back at chapter 4, I, 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 read, a, I, I read a text. Um, I'll, I'll just read it quickly again. And I, and I kind of paused and, and made a note on it. Chapter 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is, get this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all that you have, get understanding. Get wisdom. Lance Armstrong had more rubies, more diamonds, more gold, more money than anyone could have imagined. Multimillionaire from riding a bicycle. He chose the rubies. And he's a fool. Ben Johnson had the potential to be that kind of person. He chose the rubies. They chose the path of folly. So the opening question, it's a pursuit worth everything that we've got to seek to live wisely in the way that Lady Wisdom in the Bible tells us to live that way. And that's what you're studying, by the way. You're studying the book of Proverbs, and that's the kind of thing that you're, you're learning as you work through this powerful book. Then, with that opening question, we have this very interesting three times a reference to her husband. Now, the metaphor is the husband is the one who embraces her, who, quote-unquote, metaphorically marries her. In other words, takes her as all that she is and becomes effectively her. 
embraces all the values, the virtues, all the wisdom, all the things that she represents. So her husband is us. And us, as we embrace and we take on, in some senses, become one with Lady Wisdom. And it's interesting because the references to her husband occur in three places after we get past that first question. So we get the opening question, then at the beginning of the poem, at the middle of the poem, and at the end of the poem, we get a reference to her husband. So the poet, whoever is writing this, Solomon perhaps, we don't know, but whoever's writing this strategically as he's written out this acrostic poem, strategically places references to her husband at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end. So we need to look at and see what it says. Why is, why is that important? Or why is the reference to the husband important? Well, it's first this, okay? Verse 11 and 12. This is the first reference to her husband. Her husband has full confidence in her. She lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. In other words, what, 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 we're, what we're seeing here is that if we embrace Lady Wisdom, if we embrace the way of wisdom that's taught in Scripture, if we embrace the way of wisdom that's taught in the book of Proverbs, I'm going to take it one more step, if we embrace the way of wisdom that's captured in Jesus of Nazareth, who is called the wisdom of God, we can trust her completely. Her husband has full confidence in her, lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now, please understand, this is not a promise of uninterrupted goodness. Lots of people who live in wisdom face untold hardship, abuse, prejudice, ignorance, and lots more. Lots of students who who cheat on an exam when you and I don't get ahead. Lots of people who live immorally while we live morally seem to enjoy good times. But in fact, ultimately, good comes to those who live in the way of wisdom, according to Lady Hakma. Ultimately and finally, good comes. Brings him good and not harm. There's no loss of sleep because of a guilty conscience. There's no fear of getting caught. There's no consequences when the fool does get caught. Right now, and some of you may have heard of this, I know Pastor Kevin probably has, a prominent pastor of a church that if I told you the name of the church, you would all know it. Is embedded in a huge scandal. You just go, another one. Yes, another one. He's a fool. He did not learn the way of wisdom. Played fast and loose with women. The scandal is humongous. It has tainted the name of Christ across the U.S., Canada, and around the world. He did not trust Lady Wisdom. He did not trust her to bring him good and not harm all the days of his life. He thought he was big enough to do it differently. 
He thought he was powerful enough to do it differently. He thought he had enough influence and money to do it differently. Today, shame and humiliation rule his life and that church. So, we said that it's important to note where state's husband. If we live according to lady wisdom, we will, under, we, will, we, will, we will understand and embrace good. Maybe not the immediate, not right now. Maybe it's an ultimate good, but it's something that we can trust. At the end, the husband appears again. Her, his, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, when he praises her, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. The externals are deceptive, charm and beauty, but, but the woman... The hakma, the wisdom woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise in the city gate. In other words, when we're engaged in embracing lady wisdom, we will be those who will, be, who will, who will rise up and be called blessed. We will be praised for, our, for that value. We will recognize that externals are simply that and are passing and ephemeral. We will recognize that the fear of the Lord is the ultimate praiseworthy value. We will give life over to Lady Wisdom. We will embrace all that she has. And then in the middle of the poem, we find the third reference to her husband. Her husband is respected in the city gate when he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Verse 23. In other words, what is being said here is that if we live according to wisdom, if we live according to lady wisdom, if we live according to hakma, when we come into the mix and mess of society, come into the mix and mess of of politics, this is what what the city gate was. The city gate was where anybody who was anybody hung out. Yes, they had a palace, they had a temple, but the city gate is where the, where the judges were, where civil courts were. Anybody who was anybody hung out in the city gate. And if we live according to wisdom, her husband is respected in the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. So the man, the woman, the teen, the young adult, the one who makes wisdom part of the core and essence of life and being, when we come to the places of the mix and mess in life of life, we will stand tall. Ben Johnson, fascinating. I don't know whether you guys saw this, but later on, I I, I have no idea what the motivation for this, but he came on television in a commercial for a beverage. Anybody remember what it was? Cheetah. What on earth are you thinking, man? His humiliation. We mocked. We laughed. Humiliation was complete. There were probably some rubies involved. He did not learn the lesson. Continued to be that fool. Every time I watch the Tour de France, it's fascinating. The announcers do everything that they can never to mention Lance Armstrong's name. 
Fascinating, if you listen carefully. In the city gate, where the people of power and influence are, there is no respect for these people. When we embrace Lady Wisdom, things are different. So, what then makes us wise? What, what are some of the kind of the feet on the ground, the, the leather, the shoe leather on, 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 on the street? How, how do we make it work? And this is where we come to the third part of, of our passage. And you'll notice as you look through the passage, there are a whole bunch of she's. She does this, does that, does the other thing. And there are five things that I think kind of capture the, the heart and essence of, of kind of the pragmatic, put our feet on the ground kind of thing of how we are to live according to Lady Wisdom. We're sort of asking the question, all right, what, what are you teaching us by your example on how to live wisely? All right? And I think there are, there are five things that, that, uh, that, that, she, that we find in this poem that talks about uh, these things. By the way, you can, we, can, we can learn the practicalities of what it is to live according to Lady Wisdom by reading the whole book of Proverbs. I, I mean, there isn't a more practical book in the Bible. You're working your way through it. Uh, Pastor Kevin did Proverbs 5 last week, and some of you will remember that. Some of you, yeah, that. that. I avoided that one. I let him deal with that one. But, but no, you, you, you find teachings on sex. You find teaching on violence. You find teachings about money. You find teachings about alcohol. You find teachings about uh, marriage and child rearing and property ownerships and parents and gluttony and integrity and honesty and business dealings. All those things are in this book. So we can learn about Lady Wisdom by reading the book, which you're doing. And I hope you continue to do so and I hope you read it at home. You also learn about Lady Wisdom by reading the rest of the poem. Five things that I think she says of what it is to have our feet on the ground when, it lives, when, it is, when we are to live wisely. Five things that she teaches. Number one, we are to be characterized by hard work. Look at verse uh, 13. She selects wool and flax and works, eagerly, works with eager hands. Verse 14, she's like the merchant ships bringing food from afar. Verse 15, she gets up while it is still night and provides food for family and, family and portions for her female servants. Verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. Verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Verse 19, in her hand she holds the, the spinning wheel, the distaff, and grabs the spindle with her fingers. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness the first thing that we learn about what it is to live wisely is that we are people of diligence we are people of hard work it's very practical all right there's no premium on laziness no uh, sometimes we talk we read through the book of proverbs and we read about the slothfulite well there's no room for the slothfulite Proverbs in another text says, a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. To be lazy is to be fool. To be diligent and hardworking is to be wise. No, not to the point of a workaholic, for sure. I remember one time, I was at, when I was in seminary, I walked into one of my professor's office and said, you know, how are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm busy. As we so often answer, and Young buck hotshot, me, said, Oh, I guess busyness is next to godliness. He looked up and he said, I don't know whether that's true, but I know laziness is sin. Whoa, well, that kind of put me in my place. That's the teaching of Hakma. Laziness is sin. 
we are to be characterized by diligence. But it's interesting. It's not just hard work for hard work's sake. Every one of those verses, if you look at them carefully, has hard work so that they can benefit others. It's not hard work for self-aggrandizement. It's not hard work for self-gain. Not hard work to get yourself wealthy or in a, in a place of fame and fortune. It is hard work so that we can be an influence for good and God and righteousness and generosity in the world. That's what wisdom and hard work mean. Caring for servants, providing safety and resources for people who depend on us. Many fools work very hard but they do it for their own values of wealth, fame, success, and power. We work hard so that we can do well by others. The second thing that we see, practically, how do we live wisely? What are the feet on the ground? Look at verse 20. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. The second thing we see is that in order to be wise, we're generous to the poor. Wow. Wow. That's putting the rubber down, putting the rubber on the road, isn't it? One of the ways that we are wise is that we are generous to the poor. We live in one of the richest countries in the world, and yet we're a people who constantly think we don't have enough. We worry about running out. There's a mythology of scarcity that is driven by our materialistic societal values. But generosity to the poor is a a core value of wisdom. And yes, we need to be wise and discreet, for sure. But there are innumerable people, including our brothers and sisters in Christ, and Leanne talked about some of that, languishing under the load and cycle of poverty. This may be a bit over the top, but I think it's true. I think the spirituality of a church is measured by 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 its care for the poor. There's a Hebrew word throughout the Old Testament called mishpat, called justice. And the prophets are constantly talking about justice and a call for justice. And whenever we think about justice, we think more in the realms of vengeance or some kind of civil law. No. In the Old Testament, justice meant caring for the poor, the orphan, and the widow. It is everywhere throughout the prophets, throughout the law, throughout the Psalms, throughout wisdom, to care for the poor, the orphan, and the widow. The Apostle James had read the Old Testament, and this is what he wrote. Pure religion and undefiled is what? To care for the orphan and the widow and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Walking in wisdom, according to Lady Hakma, is to be characterized by a generosity to the poor. We can explore by all, all kinds of ways in which that happens. And yes, there are wrong ways and right ways. I, I understand that. But we need to be characterized by a spirit that leans toward making sure that we are characterized by this value. Verse 20 is part of this poem. The third thing. So we need to be characterized by, the, by, by preparation for the future. Verse 21. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. There's a proverb found in Proverbs 24 that says this. Finish your outdoor work first. Get your fields ready. After that, build your house. It is prudent to make sure that the basics of life are cared for. And that there's ample provision. And, and the way she does this, she does it economically, 
And yet she does it with quality. But the key point on this one is not just to be prepared for the future, but be be prepared for the future so that we do not become dependent on others because of our lack of preparedness. It's a critical thought in this whole thing. Not to become dependent upon others because of our frivolity, laziness, or foolishness. Fourth, she is characterized by an uh, an entrepreneurial spirit. Verse 16. She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. Verse 18. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp lamp does not go out at night. Verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them, supplies the merchants with sashes. There's an entrepreneurial spirit here. There's a spirit of risk-taking. That's what I take from this. The spirit of risk-taking. In other words, it, it isn't just making sure that everything and all the ducks are in order and making sure that everything is certain. That's not spirituality. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is taking a risk. The Koheleth, the, the, Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes says, cast your bread upon the waters. That was talking about sending your ships across the sea, taking a risk. Some of them didn't come back. For after many days, you will see them again. Then the next verse says, give your portion to seven, even to eight. Eight is above and beyond completeness. Seven is the number of totality. Eight is beyond that. Give your portion to seven, yea, eight. Go beyond. At the end of that, that little section in Ecclesiastes 11 says, sow your seed in the morning and at evening do not let your hands be idle for you do not know which will succeed either this or that or both will do well. You step out in light of the uncertainties of life in faith, trusting God, taking a risk. And that's wisdom. Sometimes we don't think about that as wisdom. And then finally, she's characterized, she says that we are to be characterized by careful and wise teaching. Verse 26, she says this, she speaks in wisdom and with faithful instruction. Faithful instruction is on her tongue. I had a mentor once. Uh, he's with the Lord now. Um, and he, he journeyed with me through all kinds of things and was very helpful in my beginning as a, as a prof and a pastor and, and as an administrator and a dear, dear friend. And uh, I, I'll ne- I, th- this man, I don't know that I ever heard a misspoken word come out of his mouth. Every time he spoke, it was gold. Now, I'm sure he would say differently than that. He's a humble guy. I can only wish and pray that I would have that kind of spirit, and I'm sure I don't. But the reason why he could do that, and I watched his life carefully, is because of his deep and thoughtful reflection. He was a very deep thinker and a thoughtful guy. He knew when to be quiet. Oh, my. That's a skill that so many of us need to learn. He knew God intimately, and he knew his word. Jim could come up with scripture in a heartbeat anywhere in the Bible. He knew it and lived it. He was a living example of what it is to be, verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Good instruction for us. Let's start with the book of Proverbs. Let's make sure we know what's in it. Let's look at this poem. Make sure we know what, what, 
is in it as well. So, this is the culminating voice of the book of Proverbs, culminating poem, if you like. Women, woman wisdom speaks, wrote the book, and now we find this culminating description of her. We saw an opening question. We saw the references to her husband in key places, the beginning of the poem, the end of the poem, and the middle of the poem, the fulcrum, as it were, the pivot point of the poem. And then we saw these she, 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 she describing for us what it is to live out in practical ways that wisdom. So what do we take home with us? Four quick points, and I'm going to ask the worship team to join me on the platform as I kind of wrap this up. The first thing that we have here is that we we have an encounter with God. That's unbelievable. I mean, I've already said it. To encounter woman wisdom is in fact to encounter God and to encounter God through Jesus Christ because he is the one who was called wisdom, the wisdom of God. To embrace lady wisdom is in fact to walk the way of Jesus, to live out the way of Jesus. And so we encounter God. We encounter Christ, Christ himself, as we live out the teachings of Proverbs 31. The second thing is, as as we conclude this, there is amazing good news here. This is the gospel. This is the good news of what it is to live wisely, to live well in the world, to live in the way that God created us in his creation, the way that he made it. God made made the creation. And in Proverbs 8, it talks about Lady Wisdom was with him at the time when he made creation. And, and, And the way we live well in creation is to live according to Lady Wisdom. This is amazing good news. We can live well in the creation the way that God has made it if we will simply follow Lady Wisdom. But the other part of the good news is that as we embrace Jesus Christ, as we come in faith to know Christ, we then are given the power of the Holy Spirit to do all this and to live it out. And that's good news for us who are Christians we have the, the, the power of the Spirit to be able to live this kind of stuff out. And it's good news for those who are still exploring the faith. And there may be some of you here today that are exploring that faith. And I would say to you, the Apostle John writes this, 